So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Oh, David, <laughs> I, 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 I'm looking out the uh, out the windows here, yeah. these big windows at Crossroads in uh, Cool Springs, Franklin, Tennessee, and I'm seeing big fat snowflakes. Yes, we're getting our 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 one snow for the maybe our two, <laughs> but our one snow for the year. But yeah, it's a mess out there though. Uh-huh. Um, people are, um, you know. In 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 Nashville, you know, we always joke that, you know, when it rains, it might as well be six inches of snow. But when it's really snow, yeah. people just are not sane. <laughs> it's just crazy uh, driving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we have braved the weather. We have, and Rick Rex has as well. We've got a great guest coming. Yes. Uh, we might have to send the St. Bernards after her, but we'll make it in here. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, okay. The sleds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, in the meantime, how's life? How's the practice? Uh, are you are you busy? I am busy, and um, and it's a good busy. Uh, you know, I um, I continue to get people, uh, new people, all the time. I'm, you know, seeing probably between five and seven people a day right now, Holy which is kind of maxing yeah. out. And then yeah. I have the ebbs and flows, you know, sure, people graduate sure. and then sometimes they graduate themselves and, <laughs> and we come back in six months where they'd like to, yeah. you know, pick up where they left off. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, I've, I've gotten to do some fun things. I spoke this week at Belmont university, oh. um, the, um, mental health and entertainment conversation. They're having a um, kind of a, a, a continued conversation series there mm-hmm. at uh, at the school uh, at the music uh, the music program big program, music school big music program okay. here in Nashville and um, they're exploring how we if we can uh, kind of circumvent the uh, the addictive behaviors of our future entertainers and people who work in oh, wait, the wait. Are entertainment you impli- business. Are you implying that entertainers have a tendency toward addictive it behaviors? It has been uh, it has been alleged <laughs> <laughs> that people in entertainment might at some point tend to abuse yeah. substances and have compulsive behaviors. Okay, but there's not a lot of hard data. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, take it with a great to solve. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they want to have this conversation, which is great. You know, why are we the, uh, losing our most talented people mm-hmm. to substances? Yeah, you know, and what is is there a conversation that we can have now yeah. that helps prepare people for what they might experience in that sure. world? So we had a great time the other night uh, talking to about a hundred kids. Um, you know, I say kids, anybody under 
30 as a kid to be yeah. now. But um, we had that conversation, and I got to go to a treatment center lunch on the same day about the um, relationship of sleep disorders and recovery. And um, that's inter- I've got that's intriguing. An invitation to uh, uh, the doctor that spoke to that, uh-huh. and uh, hopefully he will be uh, making his way on the podcast here in a few weeks. Um, All right, because oh. we know you know that uh, good REM sleep and things like that um, play into um, our brain activities which play into our addictions and the way we respond to things and uh, even sometimes how our chemistry uh, causes a sleep deprivation and depression and you know what I'm really interested I can't, I'm looking forward to having that conversation because I am now starting to uh, turn my attention to sleep, which is something I've never even really thought yeah. about. Yeah, it was a really, when I first thought, you know, when I first heard the topic, I thought, well, I don't know. But uh, man, there was some really great data. So I, yeah. I look forward to him being able to come on and, and really share what, um, uh, just even how our sleep cycles and patterns and the yeah. way we sabotage our sleep impacts our recovery. Yeah, I do know, boy, I'm learning new stuff every day. I do know that the neuroplasticity that we talk so much about, yeah, the brain repair that goes on on a daily basis, mm-hmm. all these millions, billions of cells, that mm-hmm. are, uh, you know, old cells die, new, si- new cells are, uh, you know, born. Uh, most of that work, the janitorial work of the brain happens during sleep. Right. In fact, fairly only fairly recently has it been discovered this a, a circulatory system that we didn't even know existed that mm-hmm. opens up when we're asleep in order to carry uh, you know old dead cells away and mm-hmm. clean out you know toxins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I am uh, always late to the party when it comes to. Uh, uh, electronics, but I did get. Uh, I've got this fancy big. Oh old, yeah, you've got the the Gizmo watch. I got That's, the Gizmo watch now. It, it looks a lot like an Apple Watch. Uh huh. Okay, but it's a Chinese knockoff. I paid. 30, <laughs> did you get it in New York? I, I paid thirty five <laughs> bucks for it. Yeah, there you okay. go. <laughs> but one of the things it does, I don't know how. What one of the things it does is it tracks my sleep. Yeah. Um, and it gives me this breakdown of deep sleep and light sleep. Mm-hmm. And I bought one for Allie. She has one just like mine, except hers is pink. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And when we compare our sleep charts in the morning, Mm -hmm. she has far more deep sleep than I do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, And so it really makes me wonder. she'll, She'll get twice as much deep sleep as I will. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are all kinds of things that he um, brought to the to the table, and even how um, you know different ages and stages in life, mm-hmm. our sleep patterns change. Um, what what we need as a um, a person over fifty versus mm-hmm. you know what our teenagers experience. There's a there's a reason our teenagers sleep till noon on weekends. You know all oh, really? that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really okay. paying back the sleep they don't get during the week. Um, there's a there's a movement right now to change school start times for teenagers because you know getting them at school at 7 a.m. is just counter 
productive oh. and uh, just on and on. Yeah. Um, but it um, is, uh, there's just a lot of data that's... <laughs> I, I solved that in college, man. I just <laughs> I just didn't go to early you classes. You just cut that eight o'clock yeah, I did. I know. All the time. Uh, yeah. I, I have a story about that too. I'll share sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I was not aware I was being graded on attendance. Oh. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but you started eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to waste any more time. Our, um, our guest is here. I'm sure it's going to be a fascinating conversation. So stick with us. We'll be back in just a minute on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Uh, David, do you have um, any of those people in your life who are friends? Uh, you've, you've had conversations with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know each other's names. You speak to each other on the street or in the store. Uh, but you're so impressed by them, and you so badly want the approval of other people that if you ever have the opportunity in front of an audience to mention your their name, you exaggerate how close you actually are to them? <laughs> I have never done that, Nate, yeah. in my whole history of working in the music business. <laughs> ever had that experience? Well, I am so yes, happy absolutely. to have with us today my close personal friend. Absolutely. Dr. Jesse Hawkins. <laughs> yes. Or as, as I knew her back, you know, when... Allie and I and she and her husband Matthew were hanging out all the time. Uh-huh. She was she was just Jesse. Vacations. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let me tell you how this invitation came about. A couple of months ago, I came home and Allie said to me, "Did you see the article that Jesse um, uh, linked or posted on her Facebook page?" Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Jesse is one of my 5,000 close personal friends on Facebook. <laughs> there you go. So, so I went straight so. to her page uh-huh. and, um, and found this article with a very approving comment by Jesse. With, uh, this article with a very provocative title. Mm-hmm. The wellness industry thrives on the fear of death. Yeah. That's, that, that's, yeah. Wow. Okay. So that gets you right there. That gets you right there. Okay. It's a very long article far more than I can read now and mm-hmm. take up the hour. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, the author, it's published on Quartz. The author, Rosie Spinks, makes a whole lot of points. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I would say if I had to summarize the article, uh, she says that a privileged white society mm-hmm. has placed an inordinate emphasis uh, in its pursuit of wellness, motivated primarily by a fear of death and the mm-hmm. idea that we can somehow attain eternal life if we just eat clean and do everything right, right. Ha- has placed an inordinate emphasis on eating. Mm-hmm. We're now driving ourselves crazy. There's a great phrase in here that really captured me, uh, calling so many of us the worried well. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right. So... Um, I knew that I wanted to really talk to Jesse about this and get her take because uh, Jesse is a uh, well, she she has a doctorate de- 
degree. She has, she's written more books than I have and has more degrees than I have. And her emphasis has been holistic health, as I understand. Mm-hmm. Would, is that accurate, would you say? Holistic life, living? Something, yeah. Holistic health, wellness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Something yeah. in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of bridging the in-between yeah. a little bit. So there's a very long setup. May I introduce <laughs> Dr. Jesse Hawkins? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, I'm glad you pointed out what about the article jumped out at you because mm-hmm. there were so many different. Yes. I mean, you could write a whole series of books on all the different yeah, yeah topics yeah. In, yeah, with yeah. food. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the succinct point of it is that our obsession with health is killing us. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. How do you see that? play out in the people that you work with, Jesse? Um, I kind of feel like I'm at ground zero with that a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm in the wellness industry, mm-hmm. but also maybe the canary. I don't know mm-hmm. what metaphor mm-hmm. you want to use, yeah. but um, it's a $4.5 trillion global industry. Mm. Holy smokes. Which I looked up this morning. I was trying to compare that to the porn industry, mm-hmm. but you can't really find an accurate number, but right. somewhere mm-hmm. under $100 billion. Uh-huh. So wow. we are way more addicted to wellness than we are to porn. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I, let me see. I've swapped for a better addiction, I guess. So you're a wellness addict? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a more socially accepted addiction. I there guess. you go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Society likes addictions to work and to wellness uh-huh. versus yeah. other things. Yeah. 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 But but how do you and I'm going to Nate I know you've got a thousand questions so I want to yeah, ask yeah, this yeah, real yeah, quick yeah. how do you uh what's the criteria maybe that says I'm disordered when it comes to my relationship to my well-being Okay So back in the 1940s the World Health Organization you know kind of early stages of public health said you know what is this thing of health that we're trying to build here mm-hmm. And they defined health as a complete state of physical, mental, and social well-being, not just the absence of disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, way back before we understood mental wellness like we do today, social health like we do today. But that was kind of the three-legged stool of what is health. Mm-hmm. So we teach our students to work with their clients that as soon as, you know, kind of like a little kid knows, as soon as you start teetering mm-hmm. onto just one leg, mm-hmm you're not healthy anymore. Mm -hmm. So when your obsession with wellness is getting in the way of your social connections Mm -hmm. or stressing you out mentally, Mm -hmm. then it's Mm -hmm. not healthy anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes. You know, I mentioned to Jesse right before we started recording a book that just rocked my world last week. I came Mm -hmm. to it a few months late, maybe a couple years, Mm -hmm. uh, a year or so late. Johan Hari's most recent book. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. Yeah, Lost Connections. Right. Where he argues that for the vast majority of people who suffer today from anxiety or depression, Mm -hmm. and the numbers are just staggering in the Western Mm -hmm. world, um, those problems cannot properly be attributed to a chemical imbalance in the brain, as we have been told. Mm -hmm. That might be true in some cases. Mm -hmm. But that for most of us, anxiety or depression are healthy signals they're actually a clue. They're, 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 they're a healthy response to living in, a, in an unhealthy, disconnected culture. Yeah. So we go back yeah. to connection. So we're socially mm-hmm. disconnected. Yeah. Johan Hari is the guy who famously said in that 
huge TEDx talk, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. Right. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Okay. Yep. So, oh, let me back up a little bit here just so that we build some more of, uh, so people, we always like our listeners to get to know our guests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jesse, you are, uh, okay, you're a mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, uh, how did you wander into this field? I wandered into the field by becoming a mom. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was originally, I'm fascinated with psychology. Um, I like to argue, as you see on my social media. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So law was a perfect. Uh Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, goal for me. Uh, and then I became a mom young. Mm-hmm. And so that disrupted my undergraduate education. And when I went back, I had from my own childhood experiences, I knew enough to know that I didn't want to replicate what my mother was, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what that looked like or what looked like good parenting and, and mm-hmm. all of that. And so I switched my major to environmental health focusing particularly on children and child development. Mm. Wow. Um, And then from there, it was just a series of what else do I not know? How do I answer those questions? And went down into Mm -hmm. the integrative health field and the research field and Mm -hmm. spiraled from there. And tell us what you mean by integrative health. Our listeners, what does that entail? So kind of the marrying of what we consider to be the big pharma conventional medicine mm-hmm. with the wellness industry, mm-hmm. taking the best bits of both okay. and focusing on what is really effective at improving our health and what is just marketing or mm-hmm. whatever else yeah. that's right, not right. beneficial. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah. right. Now, you are a prodigious and relentless researcher. You, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yeah you don't accept <laughs> like easy. You don't accept easy answers. Right. You want to dig. You want to know why. Mm-hmm. You're a questioner. I love that about you, by the way. Um, and you also are a, a natural teacher. You you really like to mold young. So much so that you started an educational institution mm-hmm. that is registered in the state of Tennessee as an educational institution. Yep. So you are the founder and director of. The Franklin School of Integrative Health Sciences. Wow. Yeah. Now, is this all uh, distance learning? The vast majority of it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, health coaching, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What I really wanted was people to have the opportunity of finding that hybrid, the yeah. evidence base with the natural health. Mm-hmm. Right. Because with a $4.5 trillion industry, there's a lot of snake oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of really good beneficial stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. So helping people to help people in that way. Well, can you help us out here a little bit then by uh, just spitball, just freewheeling here. Okay. If you had to identify the most egregious snake oil, oh. <laughs> where would you go? Uh, oh, wow. I'm going to make some enemies here. Uh-huh. Um, you know what? Honestly, I would say the diet industry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus you know, pointing fingers at a specific supplement or product or mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever that might be. Right, right. The diet industry really sells us a bill of goods. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Floods us with propaganda, floods mm-hmm. us with marketing, mm-hmm. uh, contributes to body dysmorphia, all kinds of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But why do we keep as a public, why do we keep going for it? Because we've all done 
17 versions of stuff that doesn't, quote, work. Right. Because we don't want to really do our work, <laughs> mostly. Right. <laughs> and But yeah, why do we keep thinking that this next one, you know, if I do the, you know, if I eat sponges, this is going to be the one <laughs> where <laughs> the, oh, this, this is the cure. I haven't heard about the sponge <laughs> yet. Yeah. Where do I you find just, the sponge? You totally just, oh, that's all you eat. And it's, <laughs> it's awesome. You know, crap for a week. But right. <laughs> but other than that, it's a great diet. No, but I mean, like, we keep taking it on. We keep giving it away it's the shame cycle uh-huh ah yeah you convince us that we're not good enough and it it's really a it, there's a perfect storm here mm-hmm. you've got everything that's wrong with american health care mm-hmm. so we all have to diy it mm-hmm. you've got our puritanical roots mm-hmm. so everything that is enjoyable is bad and everything that's good for you has to be miserable mm-hmm. um oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, I mean, God, throw, that's a whole that's a whole show right it's a there. Whole thing. <laughs> yes. You put all of that in there together and then you get people who are stuck in a shame cycle. Right. And then you've got millions and billions of dollars of marketing to tell you you don't look right, you're not good enough, you don't, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And as soon as you can turn something as simple as sustainable food yeah. into a status symbol, mm-hmm. you can oh, ruin you everyone. Go. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. 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 And and you make the point, I think, or, or the, the article did that. Um, and as Nate said, that it, there, it, there is a certain amount of this wellness stuff that we all, you know, participate in at some level that's that's rooted in privilege. Right. There's a lot of it that's rooted in privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think of soul food, you don't think healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very much um, th- this social and economic disparities with what we consider to be healthy and what we don't mm-hmm. um, are very rooted in privilege and have tinges of racism, misogyny, mm-hmm. just about every ism mm-hmm. that you can throw in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that whole kind of dark underbelly of right. it as well. Yeah. Right. Now, would you say that, oh, here's, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Okay. Uh, you have studied and worked and taught in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, studied at the, what is it, the Royal Academy? The of... London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Okay, all right. Yeah. Holy smokes, look at that. Uh, <laughs> and so you're, you are quite familiar with uh, public health practices, mm-hmm. current public health practices in England, at least. Mm-hmm. And of course, you live uh, and work here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Would you say... Um, are, are they on the other side of the pond? Are they are they reaching some? Uh, would you say they they have made some strides we have yet to make? Do they recognize some things that we don't see? Or are we roughly in the same boat? Oh yeah, no, we're not even in the same ocean. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, again, going back to the underbelly of the wellness industry, when we talk about the disparities mm-hmm. in the U.S., yeah. uh, your zip code can influence your life expectancy by twenty to thirty years. Wow. Holy smokes. I mean, so we have, yes, we have people here who are better off than anywhere else in the world because you can buy access to health services, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that means everyone who can't afford it Mm -hmm. can't. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we go into the anxiety and depression. Right. Mm -hmm. And how so many of us are, you know, one illness and our insurance company dropping us away from bankruptcy. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That all feeds into Mm -hmm. the mental health, feeds into the shame cycle, all of that. Yeah, goes yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I am in, if I am on the um, less than privileged side of this coin, you know, um, 
I'm probably keenly aware and maybe a little hopeless that it really matters what I eat. Is right. that possible? I mean, that you know, like who, like I can't. I don't give a shit. I mean, is, yeah. I'm. I'm because what does it matter? Yeah, you can't make a difference. And a lot of that goes back to in early childhood when we learn if I cry, my mom will come and get me. Mm-hmm. If I'm hungry, my parents will feed me. Right. If I eat my dinner, I get my dessert. And so mm-hmm. we learn early on I can control my outcomes. Mm-hmm. For a whole population. They don't learn that. If there's neglect, if there's abuse, if there's poverty, Mm -hmm. you can cry all you want. There's nothing to feed you Mm -hmm. or there's no one here to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Then as an adult, what you learn is I have no control. Mm. That that basic cause and effect is not there. Mm -hmm. So what does it matter what I eat? Mm -hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so so how does this obsession with wellness, um, this... um, privilege, if I have all these options, if I'm on the privileged side of the coin, how does that feed into becoming uh, someone that might even develop an eating disorder because of all my preoccupation with all of this? Yeah, so it goes back to that three-legged stool. Mm -hmm. So once we put an emphasis on the physical Mm well-being, so what I'm going to eat, and once that starts disrupting my social connections, mm-hmm. I can't take my kids to this birthday party because we don't eat that food. Okay. Or mm-hmm. I'm not going to go meet you guys at that fast food restaurant. We don't, my kids don't eat chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we see that it's, it's a social status, mm-hmm. right. but it's also disconnecting us from the world around us. Right. And with those social connections, we know that it's not just socializing with people who look like us yes. and think like us, yeah. but we also get physical benefit from what we call bridging connections, which are people who are not in our socioeconomic yes. strata. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people who are a different age, a different race, a different religion, Yes. we benefit from that physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. And so if we can't socialize with them because our standards are just so high that no one, including ourselves, can meet them, mm-hmm. then we're going to just spiral. Wow. Man, my mind is just swirling because this conversation comes from me on the heels of reading, as I've already mm-hmm. mentioned, the mm-hmm. Johann Hari book. He tells such a stirring story in that book about uh, a, a section of Berlin close to where the Berlin Wall used to be, a neighborhood called Kati, mm-hmm. which uh, at, at one time, are you familiar with this? That at one time uh, jutted into East Berlin. So it was, it was, uh, it was not prime real estate. So it was where... Um, those marginalized by society could come and settle. You know, mm-hmm. half the buildings were burned out, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, immigrants, uh, uh, low-wage workers, uh, gay people, that was where they could afford to mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. And living, all of them, because it was a dangerous neighborhood, all of them very closeted, individualized lives. Mm-hmm. Many of them had come from their home country where home was their village. Now, no, home is no longer a village. You're in a building, but home is behind that door. Mm -hmm. And you don't know the people around you, okay? Mm -hmm. But he he tells this very just heart-wrenching, stirring, inspiring story of a change in that neighborhood that began when one uh, elderly Turkish woman who'd lived there for years and was in a wheelchair posted a, uh, a sign in her window that said, uh, um, 
I'm going to be uh, committing suicide next week. Wow. She did it not because it wasn't a cry for help. Mm-hmm. She just knew that she didn't have anybody, any friends, and nobody would know, and she would want somebody to come and get the body. Mm. Mm. Wow. And it was because uh, now that the wall had gone down, uh, and these were all rental properties owned by investors, rents were being doubled and tripled, and she could no longer afford to live and eat. Mm-hmm. Well, neighbors were, all neighbors were in the same situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that spurred um, people who had never talked to each other to go knock on her door. Mm. Mm. And then somebody had the idea: we should protest against the against the rent rent increases. Mm-hmm. We should campaign for stabilized rents. And uh, it was a long campaign, but these people who were they were from very very conservative Muslims to very, very liberal and out gay activists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to, um, um, you know, hardcore punk kids. Mm-hmm. Now, manning the barricades together, uh, spending time together, getting to know, and this freaking community, and what happened was, m- the mental health of the entire community mm. uh, improved drastically. Connection. Right. Connection, yeah. 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 So um, I think I'm guilty of this in my campaigning against porn and porn addiction coming from my own experience. Mm -hmm. I know how destructive it is. I know the shame cycle very well in the same (laughs) way that the shame cycle can drive disordered eating. Mm -hmm. It can can drive, uh, you know, disordered porn use. Mm Mm-hmm. But if I'm not careful, I can reduce all of life to whether or not a guy or a girl is watching porn on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can lead them to believe that if you just stop that behavior and control that behavior, you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance you'll be a lot happier. But it very, if that's all you're doing, mm-hmm. actually a big part of what, and that's why I push social connection. I, mm-hmm. I don't think any of us can get out of an addictive cycle alone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've got to join a fellowship, a brotherhood. You've got to get to know yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This is yeah. just Jesse's interview, and I'm doing all the talking. React. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we're saying the same thing. With I mean, it, ultimately, it's things that isolate and divide us. Yes. Versus things that bring us together. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, sure, you've got, if it's alcohol addiction, it's an overindulgence versus if it's this obsession with wellness, then it's a deprivation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But... It's the same thing going on in the body. Right, right, right. No matter right. what we cloak it with. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and isn't from uh, how many people committed to wellness do you know are 100% satisfied with the state of fitness that they have managed to reach? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And I'm surrounded by them. Uh-huh. Yes. But it's always, it's always just one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And again, just like any other addiction, mm-hmm. one little thing turns into one big thing, turns yeah. into like you have to go deeper, you have to go bigger, you have to right. cut off more things, and yeah. you know, then you can't eat anything, your kids can't eat anything, and then you've got nutrient deficiencies, and mm-hmm. I mean, it can spiral into... 
Yeah. Have you yeah. ever seen sometimes the zombies who wander the hall, wander the aisles of the health food stores? <laughs> they, they, <Yep>. Yeah. They, <laughs> they do need just maybe a, a little piece of candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. wouldn't kill them. Half a burger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I was I was reading something the other day about the fact that baby boomers, as as the boomer uh, demographic ages, that uh, the boomers don't age well, and not because they're they're not they look old. I mean, we you know we've right. got a lot of things we can do for that, mm-hmm. but um, but they don't age gracefully in the sense of they're they're all very all many are very preoccupied with these things that you're talking about these Mm -hmm. these you know use this and i'll take that and i'll have this and and therefore i won't have bad joints or my whatever will go away and yeah yeah we don't do death well Mm. we we don't do Mm -hmm. aging well Mm -hmm. you know i mean a lot of it comes down to you tell a 45 year old mom that her lack of energy is you know some sort of disorder versus Mm -hmm. just you know, your kids are running around, you're running ragged and you're not 20 anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is just, yeah. to be alive is to be dying. Yeah. 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 Well, I have a friend and uh, we were having this talk the other day and he had just been to a physical and he's in great shape. The, things are really good, you know, for the most right. part. You've got a couple of things that come along with, you know, being over 50 and 55. Right. But um, but uh, his doctor, he, he had mentioned a concern he had. And his doctor said, well, you know, when we get to be a certain age or when we get to be, uh, when we start seeing people your age, in your age range, and he was appalled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what are you, what are you telling me? Right. Uh, that I'm aging and I'm old and mm-hmm. I'm going to be, you know, in my, with my walker next week or something. Yeah. And, you know, but, but I don't know if we know, um, I, I was just curious as to in, in this, uh, uh, this, this quest for, you know, the perfect, uh, elixir out there, if boomers, um, are a big chunk of that money demographic that are keeping this machine fed. I don't know the data. Uh-huh. Um, but just from my personal experience, mm-hmm. it's a universal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fountain of youth. This has yeah. been a quest since as long as we've been living, we've been afraid of dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, when you take social media and put that in the mix, when you take the porn industry and put that in the mix, we do have an expectation that we're going to look 20 a lot longer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having these unrealistic expectations feeds into that body dysmorphia a little bit more feeds Mm -hmm. into so many of those other factors. Mm. Um, but I see just as many dissatisfied millennials Mm -hmm. as, as boomers, you know, Mm -hmm. saying, I don't know why I'm the mom thing, especially, I don't know why I'm tired. Mm -hmm. We have three children under the age of 10. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're tired. Yeah. It is not some mystery disorder that you need this, diet for mm-hmm. it's yeah it's life you're not sleeping yeah, yeah 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 so let me read the closing three paragraphs on this article yeah uh, so what does make us well it's not having strong support groups and community time oh it's having i'm sorry so what may, does make us well it's having strong support groups and community ties voluntary conf- confrontation with our emotional issues 
revisiting past trauma through counseling or therapy, and developing our inner worlds through strengthening our emotional intelligence. This stuff is not only difficult, it requires a lot of support. You cannot, no matter what a wellness coach tells you, manifest good mental health through sheer force of will. It's also expensive and completely inaccessible for many who need it, a fact that our society is paying the price for in the form of increasing rates of suicide, depression, and anxiety. Perhaps most damningly, this inner work also doesn't confer any status once you achieve it. You can't get paid to Instagram not feeling anxious or learning how to be kind to yourself when you're having a tough time. Mental health does not naturally lend itself to likes. Indeed, oh, but once you dig into that work, the idea that a diet or a food group or a workout type will save you from your deep, rational sense of existential dread seems less convincing. Holding onto that branch in the hope that it will save you from being swept away with the tide begins to feel silly. Indeed, when you let go, you realize that the only thing that will save you is the simple realization that nothing will save you. And that, it turns out, is the greatest feeling of all. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. That's a brave sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know. Well, yeah, and yet how do I how do I not cuz I agree with that and yeah. I love that. But how do I not fall into complacency? Uh Jesse when I'm free from the from the if obsession. If it doesn't freak him out, we're all going to die tomorrow anyway. <laughs> so right. what the hell? Because well, I've said, if yeah, I live to be I'm 90 right? and I find out I've got a terrible disease, I'm drinking. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that you could just, you know, yeah. I hope that's not true, but I think it could be, yeah. you know. But I mean, so how do we not fall into complacency? Well, just like everything else, especially when we're talking about addictions, there's a time and a place and an appropriate avenue for many of these behaviors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Matthew, my husband, bought me a book this week that was about rage baking. And it's basically about being a woman in today's society and how many women are turning to baking because it's predictable mm -hmm. and because it engages all of your sensory experiences. And a lot of people are using, you know, culinary mm -hmm. activity as therapy. Mm. Wow. Um, so you can take these things. I mean, food is meant to nourish us. It's meant to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... And baking or cooking, it literally engages every single one of our senses, mm -hmm. which especially more intuitive type personalities tend to neglect mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. sensory side. So we can use it as something that we enjoy, mm -hmm. just like you can use sex as something that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's when you see it starting to topple over mm -hmm. yeah. into just that one thing and it's affecting those other areas that it's a problem. Mm -hmm. So... Focusing on a balanced diet. I mean, it's one thing to go to Waffle House and then leave and say, I feel like shit because I just ate a bunch of grease. Right, mm -hmm. right. It's another thing to go in and say, I hope no one saw me there. Ah. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That's the difference. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I've wow. not had that hope, you know, hoping I didn't get seen coming out of Waffle House experience. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you intrigued. You see it a lot at the grocery store. Yeah. Look at yeah. how many people are hiding their Oreos or they're hiding yeah. their no, that No, that is true. At the checkout line. That uh -huh. is true. Yeah. If, you yeah. know, if I you're... Buy a bag of apples to put over the ice cream. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Your groceries should not be a status symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we live in a culture in in especially Greater Nashville, mm -hmm. you know, where I am, where there's some really high end 
cool grocery stores that mm-hmm. um, have branded themselves in a way that if I don't shop there, I almost feel like I'm setting myself up for cancer. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Or assigning morality. I mean, taking all of the stuff of toxic religious organizations and applying it to food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you know, you are a bad person if you feed your children McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Th- these are bad foods. These are clean foods. Even the terminology that we use. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, clean food and junk food. Mm-hmm. Versus just this is quick and easy for today and this is Right. A little more, you know, sensory or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you assign the status to it. You assign the morality to it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you are a bad citizen if you are shopping at the other stores mm-hmm. versus this one. Yeah. So your message to us, the listener, is uh, lighten up, wake up. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're all dying. Yeah. Nothing. We're not going to. The things that really play a role in our health are not things we can control. Right. Mm. So your intro, Mm -hmm. the surrender, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. being human and being alive means that our bodies are going to fail us. Mm -hmm. They're going to get wrinkles. They're going to get arthritis and they're going to die. Right. So using things that are beneficial to us, taking what's helpful, taking what is, you know, contributing positively towards that social Mm -hmm. and mental health. Um, and not letting it become yet another source of shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, tell us some more about your school, your students, uh, the education you provide, the certifications you issue. So, yeah, um, despite all of that, <laughs> I work in the wellness industry. <laughs> but you're um, one of the good guys. Yeah, well, I try to be, yeah. I... I like you said. I've got that personality where once I find out something and uh-huh. this is a big problem, yeah. then I I want to fix it. And I am of the oftentimes misguided belief that if everyone just knew this was a problem, then we could all as a society fix it. That's uh-huh. the, they just don't know. Yeah. Um. So this is kind of an outlet of that. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. kind of going in and saying, okay, when you walk into the health food store supplement section, you're looking at maybe two thirds snake oil and some really beneficial things that could definitely improve your life. Right. But you don't know which is which. Right. And chances are the clerk doesn't know which is which. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of getting that information out there. When, when we're looking at over-the-counter drugs, for all that's wrong with Big Pharma and all that's wrong with the FDA, mm-hmm. we get some really good disclosures. Right. Here are all the things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And so then you can make an informed choice. Right. We don't have that in natural health. Right. So if you're wanting to use eucalyptus oil for your cold and flu, that's great. Vix has been doing it for 100 years. Mm-hmm. But you need to know that that can slow breathing in an infant mm-hmm. so that you don't accidentally hurt your baby. Mm-hmm. So little things like that. Just trying to make sure that people are able to engage in this industry responsibly and in a way that's actually beneficial mm-hmm. versus just getting their money siphoned mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. So that's, we do the research. We do a lot of clinical research Mm -hmm. because some of those answers don't exist. Okay. Um, And then we educate uh, everything from healthcare providers to um, health coaches even Mm -hmm. um, across the board with our findings and findings from other research teams. Mm -hmm. So if our listeners want to find you, where do they go online to find you? Um, FSIHS.org, which is... Franklin School of Integrative Health Sciences. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll try.
try to remember to put a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, in, in, and if they uh, engage in your program, Jesse, what uh, in what capacities can they anticipate working? So a lot, of, it's really all over the board. A lot of our graduates um, actually work in producing products that are effective mm-hmm. um, and ethically uh, labeled and, and distributed. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of students and graduates who are already working for many of those bigger companies so that they can improve the ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, about a third of our students are healthcare providers of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, midwives, nurses, doctors, chiropractors, okay. and so on. Um, and then a lot of them start um, coaching careers or, mm-hmm. you know, work one-on-one with individuals who can't sort all this mess out mm-hmm. and are looking for some guidance, you know, where should I invest my money and what should I not worry about? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. What a great thing. Awesome. Well, I know that you maintain a very busy schedule. Thank you for making time, uh, yeah. in your schedule to come and talk with us and with our listeners. This Absolutely. has just been a joy. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment here on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Nate, uh, I've got to just say at the end of this conversation with Dr. Jesse Hawkins that Mm -hmm. um, I feel a little hypocritical. Oh, do you? Uh, Yeah, I do. Because I I sat here and we had this beautiful conversation and Mm -hmm. and it was so enlightening. And I just came from a breakfast meeting where I had a Belgian waffle. (laughs) (laughs) but, But her message was not feel guilt. No, no, no. Her message was... Her message was... There, you were making a social connection. You weren't by yourself eating a budget. Right, budget right. I was with my best friend. Yeah, exactly. So you were having a very healthy social connection, which is a vital part of well-being. Right. And that included an, a treat that you only allow yourself very occasionally. Very occasionally. Okay. Yes. So actually, that guilt you're feeling... Yeah. Entirely inappropriate and misplaced. Exactly. I absolve you. Thank you. I'll okay. go and send no more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I doubt that. <laughs> but no, that was, it was so, so great to hear um, her perspective on uh, just the whole social commentary on it, not just the, you know, the food addiction and disorder that we can fall into as being obsessed with health mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. wellness, yeah. but just uh, what that's doing to our culture, our relationship to our own mortality, yeah. um, and being able to uh, sort of give ourselves permission to uh, die in peace. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, you yeah. know, not to be morbid at all, but let's, that let's is age a, gracefully. Come yeah, on. that is a huge bridge for a lot of us to cross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, I really appreciated her coming on and sharing her work and, and what she's doing with all that, because, you know, our, 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 um, typical guests are people coming from chemical, uh, substance use or, uh, sexual, uh, behaviors, um, all these, you know, clinicians and things like that. And, and it's nice when someone comes in and says, you know, here's some social, um, conversations that we need to have around our obsession with, you know, uh, what looks on the surface like wellness. Yeah. How is it that our obsession with wellness can make us sick? (laughs) Exactly. Isn't that something? Yeah. 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 So I I think this was a great little uh, 
kind of turn of uh, that's nice turn of the corner for and us. Congratulations today. on the Belgian waffle breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I will accept that, and then probably uh, skip lunch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have more great guests coming up in the weeks ahead. Uh, time, I. I'm sad to say, time already yeah. to wrap up this Ghost conversation. Fast. Yeah. So until next time, I'm Nate. I'm David. We are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 